Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome TTB community. I am Bob Domena, and here with me as always is the incredibly lucky Elliot Chibley. Each week, we like to bring you insight from travel authors, adventurers, conservationists, digital nomads, tour guides, and our own travel, per our own personal travel experiences. Uh, well, really quick before I get into this month's travel bites, what is plucky? Plucky, having or showing determined courage in the face of difficulties. Oh. Used, in a used in a sentence, the plucky youngster was ast has astounded medical staff. The Thank you for using that in a sentence. Uh, right, I understand right. it now. Yeah, I've never heard that term before. I, I always pluck is like a guitar string or something or like plucking right. it, feathers. I, the way the word sounds, it doesn't really seem to fit the definition, right? No, it's, it, it's doesn't, kind of it doesn't sound like it is. Right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this month's Travel Bites, we got a lot to cover, but there'll be pretty quick articles. We've got a passenger on an American Airlines wearing a space helmet. We've got Tonga updates. We've got landslide in peru we're talking about uh big bend national park and some unruly tourists we've got 5g airline crisis we're talking about two rowers uh crossing the atlantic and then another one also crossing the atlantic then we've got a short haul flights that are being banned in europe we're going to be talking about a fugitive in italy we're going to be talking about the Aviation Museum, and the last article is going to be one that was sent to us, and it is talking about battery breakthroughs for electric planes, and I think yeah. in general, but specifically in relation to electric planes, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, so before we get into the, the news of last month, we want to give you our travel tip of the week, and that is to utilize Instagram as a tool to remember and document destinations you plan on visiting in the future. Instagram is perfect for showcasing the beauty of landmarks, environments, cities, all those good things. And with the bookmark feature, which is essentially like that little bookmark shaped icon at the bottom of the, of your screen, you can save those. You can create a category, like a, like a, a folder for places I want to visit. And then as you scroll your Instagram and you find new places, you can just book mark them so do that save it for the future and when you're contemplating your next adventure go to instagram and look at some of the pictures some of the places that you want to see and then maybe build a trip around that um yeah and then and then again i mean if you're listening to this podcast and you find us entertaining if you like us if you find elliot and i enjoyable to listen to please consider uh, supporting the podcast in a non-financial way by simply sharing our episodes, uh, our links to our episodes, commenting on our social media. That feeds into the algorithm God's uh, plan for what oh, they decide. Are you calling decided. them gods now? Wait, wow. I, 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 in a way they are. In a way they yeah, are, right? That's true. I mean, in, in, in a social media uh, in the social media world anyway. And essentially that pleases them. That makes them think that our show is good, even if it isn't and helps us grow. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for, for considering that. Lastly, please consider some of the awesome travel products we offer. The Traveler's Blueprint offers a travel journal and planner that is available for $7.99 on our website. It is a PDF, so you can fill it out online or in paper, and it is completely reusable. We also offer a Become Your Own Travel Agent five-part video tutorial. Part one is navigation, two is booking airfare, three blogs, research and reviews, four itinerary building, and five safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. You can find that on our website and it is $25. 
We also offer travel consulting. So for more information on that, go to our website and feel free to send us a DM on social media or an email. Lastly, you can join us and if you want to, you can you can be a part of our Travel Around Table series. That's where we sit down with a group of, of travelers, send us your email with your name, your website, and a few travel-related topics that you enjoy discussing, and we will get back to you. First up, passenger violates American Airlines rule by wearing a space helmet. Yeah, uh, you can only wear those in the space, I guess. Yeah, but is it really a space helmet? You know, there there is a picture of it. That's what it closely resembles. It does, I don't know yeah. if it was actually a space helmet, but uh, essentially airlines have restrictions on the type of personal protective equipment you can wear. In the article, there was an example of a 75-year-old passenger with a terminal illness who unfortunately had too much protective uh, equipment, and they actually had to kick that passenger off yeah. of the plane. So American Airlines specifically bans various personal protective equipment, including face tents, body tents, and pods. So, what? and you can see why these things take up space. They're oh, not really practical for the crammed setting that that exists on airplanes. And um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I guess if whether or not they're necessary is a whole another whole another conversation, but I don't, I don't think some of them are necessary. I don't think a space helmet is uh, necessary, but that's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah, it is. It's, I didn't stuff. even know some of that stuff like was even accessible to like the public. No, no. Huh. that's yeah. You probably buy it off of eBay. Yeah. So if I you're flying on American Airlines and you have a spacesuit and you want to uh, wear it, maybe at your destination, consider packing it in the checked bag and not wearing it through the airport. So that's a that's a yeah. you got two stick, travel tips in this episode. Stick to the surgical masks, the N95, KN95, and the like. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Tonga. Next up. Tonga. Wow. Did you so did you see the aerial photograph of this explosion? Uh yeah, there was a there was a time lapse video of that and it was uh-huh. I mean, the images are astounding. Yes. Yes. So this it, is this is what the largest volcanic eruption since uh oh, what was it? It's been the largest volcanic eruption for like 40 years. Yeah. So it happened on January 15th and it there's obviously been repercussions, specifically in Tonga. They just were hit with an earthquake too, just a just a few days ago. So that would mean late January. Um, the the NASA estimate, estimated the equivalent this explosion to be the equivalent of five to six million tons of TNT. It's they're saying it's unlike anything seen in recent decades. Now I'm not like a I don't know bombs very well, so five to six million tons of TNT doesn't really register in my head. Like I have nothing to really tie it to um but it sounds like a lot <laughs> and, 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 it is and, a lot yeah well the sonic boom reached the united kingdom so ten thousand yeah. miles from the location of the eruption that i understand that's massive uh and then it released tsunami like waves through the island nations surrounding tonga so tonga is actually uninhabited there's no one that lives there and this volcano no um, i I think the island that it was was correct, uninhabited. Correct, Tonga sorry. does have a correct. large, several inhabited islands, but also several uninhabited islands. And the the waves, the ashfall, had severe impacts on the Tongan people who lived on the inhabited islands. Uh, there's aerial photographs that you can scroll through showing the residential areas before and after this volcano erupted yeah it's massive and it's scary too that you're just at the mercy of these types of major uh, weather events and that goes for 
multiple weather events, but man, to be living on an island where you're sort of trapped in the middle of the Pacific and then having this go off, I, I, it's sort of a, it's a, it's apocalyptic in a way, like, you know, at least for the people right there feeling that I couldn't imagine it's gives me like terrifying uh, Pompeii type vibes with, with what this did. And and I think caused the biggest thing is that it caught, I mean, because Tonga is so separated from the rest of the world, um, it severed that only cable that brought Mm -hmm. internet. So right. there was no way for them to reach except for maybe like satellite phones or other methods, but it was very limited. That's I was talking about that with my wife because we knew that the volcano had erupted and then for several days, no, there was no word. Like you weren't seeing videos come in. And I was talking to my wife, like, why haven't we seen any videos of the damage from the people there? Because normally you see that almost immediately, like people are uploading that stuff to the internet. And there, it, there was like two days where you didn't see anything. And that's how you know it was bad. I mean, there was, they, they were, they were cut off for a few days there. I know um, Australia and New Zealand had sent aid and I know the waves hit, hit the, the Western coast of uh, South America and some in the United States um, and Australia. And, but, but Peru specifically, they had an oil rig that was capsized off of the coast of Peru from you know, a wave and it, yep. and it, they're saying it released some 18,000 square kilometers or no, the, the impact of the oil is going to impact 18,000 square kilometers uh, around the Island. And, and that's yeah. you know, fishing, fishing areas, ecological uh, systems. And so they're calling it an ecological disaster already. Um, we'll see what happens yeah. there. I think one of the interesting things about this is besides it being a, a volcanic eruption uh, and an island nation that's largely disconnected from the rest of the world, Tonga has had almost no COVID cases throughout the pandemic because it's been so isolated. And the worry is when they start sending support, our oh, case is wow. going to increase. Wow. Wow. Yes. It's, it's like a I guess. multifactorial I mean, it's, issue. Yeah. Yeah. I would say yes. I, I think mean, it's I mean, bound to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even the vaccinated are continuing to spread the virus in some way. So we haven't figured out a way to stop it yet. So I don't see how how we don't spread it over there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Well, and similarly, um, in conjunction with the Peru oil spill, Peru's had some rough go. One of the the base camp for Machu Picchu that is basically only there before tourists to hike up to Machu Picchu in the morning is Aguas Calientes. And they experienced a deluge of rain over the last, uh, I guess, earlier in January. And that caused landslides and flooding through Aguas Calientes and shut mm-hmm. down the town and like destroyed train tracks which brought goods in and supplies it's the videos of that are crazy yeah and you can see the link to the videos uh in the show notes here there's several videos on youtube um yeah it's horrible it's and that destination or that city is 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 the source of tourism to machu picchu you need to go there i well i shouldn't say you need to go there but a significant majority That's of the, the people masses. who visit yeah. Machu Picchu go to Aguas Calientes. It's essentially at the base of the mountain where Machu Picchu sits. Um, I don't know if it's a silver lining or like the bright side of things. It's that 
this is the season, I believe February is when Machu Picchu is closed for the year for upkeep and stuff. So hopefully uh, they're capable of of repairing everything and then they can be back and running by this next tourism season because yeah. I'm sure that they'll need the money. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's um, crazy to think that we were there a few years ago. I mean, that river didn't seem like it could get up over those banks and it's the Alcamayo river. Yeah. It was pretty low and it wasn't, and it wasn't an overwhelming, overwhelmingly fast river. It was actually mm-hmm. a nice river. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, next up more, <sighs> damage i guess you can say it's always so frustrating this time at the hands of people i'm gonna stop talking about these but they keep popping up i know i know and we have to right like and we're calling these people out by name um for sure so oh yeah what we're what we're talking about it's big bend national park in big bend national park there are petroglyphs petroglyphs are the uh depictions of animals and life essentially of the people who occupied the indigenous people that occupied the Americas before us. So petroglyphs are carved into stone. Hieroglyphs are drawn painted. onto walls, painted onto walls. So that's the difference. Yep. So these people, these four people carve their names and the date over top of these ancient petroglyphs, irreplaceably, irreparably uh, damaging them. Yeah. Yes. Norma, Adrian, Isaac, and Ariel. The day after Christmas, 2021. Yeah. All in there. Um, so Bob, I, I know I've talked to you a little bit about Brene Brown, right? Mm-hmm. So she does a lot of her research on shame and mm-hmm. how important shame is in society, but it's also about following that up with punishment. Cause you can just shame anybody, but if they're not actually punished for what they're doing, they'll just keep doing it. Yeah. So they have to go hand in hand. So mm-hmm. if you have anything or notice anything, if you're out near big bend and you saw anything, let people know. Absolutely. Let people know. Yeah. And if you see anything at any time in any national park or anything that should be protected. Yeah. 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 I I struggle. I struggle to put myself, put myself in the shoes of these people who you would think are going to this place to enjoy the environment, right? Like why else would you go to a national park beyond enjoying the environment of the national park i can can name a few reasons (laughs) well man i get and then you go there and you damage the the very thing that you're there to enjoy yeah it's hard for me to wrap my brain around my brain just doesn't doesn't think that way so anyway let's let's move on this is one that i think is like sort of right up your alley and yeah this uh, is i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get any technicalities not that i could um because it is a very complex and technical issue and it involves technology that I don't really understand fully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 5G and the impact on airlines, has it, they thought there was going to be a massive crisis with it because the 5G rollout interferes with some radio technology that planes use when landing. And I guess there are several airlines that were trying to stop or at least slow the 5G deployment at major airports. And it sounds like about 80% of the United States' entire commercial airline fleet has now received clearance that they can enter or at least overcome that 5G interference and that they're good to go. Um, There's a lot more to this, but they thought flights were going to be grounded, like many thousands of flights across the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like that was almost entirely avoided. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I like the, the wording here. Potentially abysmal air travel interruptions were narrowly avoided this week when wireless carriers made a last-minute change to their planned 5G rollout in response to fears that new cell service towers could interfere with a key component on passenger jets that allow them to safely land in low visibility conditions. That sentence is pretty scary. <laughs> there's scary. a lot. There's a like, lot what did we to, miss? Exactly. There's a lot to unpack there. How close were we to abysmal air travel interruptions? And what does that even mean? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Right. I don't know. So, but they're, they're uh, still going to be. So I guess the FAA and FCC are in negotiations are trying to figure things out and then there's still going to be temporary 5g buffer zones and it's unclear on how long those will actually stay in effect yeah uh, and what i gathered from reading reading this was that there there essentially is a sort of stalemate because someone is going to have to put out billions of dollars to fix this problem is it going to be i guess the faa and the airlines or is it going to be verizon and at&t the actual 5g service providers so someone's got to shell out a lot of money to make this work and so there's sort of a stalemate on who does that whose responsibility is it yeah so the i think the if we're going to get into a little bit of the technicalities it's because the c-band uh so the 5g frequencies that verizon and at&t use have a very similar or close frequency to what radar altimeters used by Mm -hmm. the or what airlines use for the radar altimeters basically measuring height so that's Mm -hmm. critical in landing because you gotta know how close you are to ground (laughs) yeah it's not funny no it's not funny it's scary man i'm like this this article just feels like it's not it's is this a bigger problem? Is this a big deal? I don't know. Like, why isn't everybody talking about this? Uh, yeah. I don't know. So we'll see how that plays out. Maybe next month we have, we'll have more information there. Uh, so right. so this, this next one has to do with these the next British, two. Next two. So the yeah. one that I'm going to talk about first is this British rower. Her name is Kat Cordner, uh, and she was diagnosed with an incurable cancer. And uh, after now has set the new world record with two friends for crossing the Atlantic Ocean. They knocked it out in seven days, or they they knocked seven days off of the previous record. I'm sorry. And so- That's uh, insane. That's a lot of time. It's overall, it's a 3,000 mile crossing. So they started in La Gomera in the Canary Islands, which I think are right off of the coast of uh, Spain. Spain, right? And ended up in the English harbor in the Caribbean. And it took them 42 days, seven hours, and 17 minutes. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, so yeah. she uh, had a cardiac tumor that had she had to have heart surgery. Yeah. And yeah. she only started training in May of 2021. Yeah. This is... Or so, 2020. So I... If you're listening to this... Yeah. Um, then this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but I, I like to journal. So I think it's fine. I find it to be the best form of meditation is like sort of writing my thoughts out. And one thing that I did this January was in my journal subject for that entry was if a doctor told me I had 12 months to live, how would I spend the remainder of my year? And I did it in January on purpose because I felt like it was a good way to think about how I want to spend my time over the next 12 months. And instead of coming up with like specific New Year's resolutions. It was just sort of a blanket idea. Like, what do I prioritize? And whatever I wrote out on paper, it was like, okay, now 
now all I have to do is figure out how to do these things. Like these are my priorities. And so I found it to be a really interesting uh, um, thought experiment. I like it. And, you know, um, yeah. Is this one of your, is this one of your things? You want to cross the Atlantic? No, no. Okay. I, I would want to do some sort of adventure. I'm sure. Yes. Right. Uh, a lot of mine fell back on like, just like being happy with my kids and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I probably want to throw in an adventure of some kind. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not as cool as, as the rowing across the Atlantic in a new no. world. <laughs> no. Well, this next this next article does tie into this, and it is not. It is a little. It is very sad. Um, so, a French adventurer who has done a many, uh, I guess, rowing adventures, he died attempting to solo row across the Atlantic, and he was seventy five. So, Jean Jacques Savine. I hope I did not butcher that too bad. Um, and. Unfortunately, he had sent out an SOS signal. I guess there was some wave or turbulence in the water, and they found his boat overturned, and that had ended his his journey through the yeah. through the solo crossing and through life. But I think in this article, and we should focus on the things that he did accomplish and the awesome things that he inspired. Yeah, in twenty eighteen, in twenty nineteen, <clears throat> he floated alone across the Atlantic in a barrel shaped capsule, propelled only it's by crazy. wind and currents, and he crossed from the Canary Islands and to the Caribbean. Essentially, what we just talked about with with Cat, um, and yep. so yeah, uh, these types of things. You know, when you hear someone dying doing something like this. It's not the same as hearing someone die in a car accident or something, right? So, so these people that this is what he these, loved to do. Exactly. These these people attempt to do these things, and this is how they want to live their lives. And you have to decide for yourself, you know, with the time that you're given, do you want? Are you going for longevity and just leisure, or do you want to go out? Uh, you know, or or do you want to do what you love, regardless of the danger, regardless of the consequences, and regardless of how short your life may be. Um, because it's what you love, because it's how you enjoy spending your time. Ultimately, like it's all about being happy, right? And so yeah. if this is what that person wanted to do to be happy, then I'm all for it. And I mean, he did live to 75, which is a solid year. <laughs> you know, it's a solid, that's a solid is. life. I'm sure, I'm sure if we really dug into this person's life, it would be fascinating very, and very inspiring. Fulfilled. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So pretty cool. That is very cool. Um, so up next, we've got short short haul flights being banned in european air travel yeah we actually we just talked about this this the conversation hasn't come out yet on a on a podcast we did with on thoughtful travel and essentially these bans are coming out due to uh, environmental uh, concerns essentially shrinking the carbon output of the airline industry in general within the European Union, they're going to, I think France is the leader here. They're pulling back on the amount of regional flights within France and the EU based on, I think, mileage. So, uh, and, you know, how far? And total hours. Okay, and total hours. And so yep. essentially they're going to push rail travel over airline travel if yeah. – the distance meets a certain requirement. I think it's great. I think it's a good idea. It's going to obviously um, change things up a bit. We're going to have to adjust, especially for those in Europe. 
Um, but if they if they put money into, so it, yeah, it says that actually to supplement these new policies, the EU is aiming to double high speed rail traffic by 2030. With while even sleeker high speed trains are due out in France in the time for Paris 2024 Olympics. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's definitely a shift. I think it's a good one. Yeah. So I'm sure there's going to be people who oppose it. Some of the specifics are if you are able to anywhere in the EU get to your destination with a six hour train ride, then that would be you would not mm-hmm. be able to take a flight there. Mm-hmm. Cool. This next one. I love this one. So a <laughs> I don't think this is the first instance of this happening either. I don't I don't think so either. And so it won't be the last. A mobster, an Italian mobster straight out of Italy. His name is oh man, how do you pronounce that first name? Ooh. That's a hard one. Giaucino? Gamino? Gamino. <laughs> You're Italian. And I'm Italian, so I can it. say it like that. Uh so he's facing murder charges. Um <laughs> He he broke out. But you're of prison. not Sicilian, so no, you can't. not Sicilian. He broke out of prison 20 years ago while he Whoa. was facing murder charges. Yeah, he's evaded capture since then. He was living in Spain, and they've been hunting for him ever since. Now they got word that he was he was living in Spain, and then got information that he might be managing a particular restaurant in Spain. They then went to Google Earth to look at the restaurant uh, in Street View. And saw this guy on the Google Earth image <laughs> while doing the research, essentially confirming that it was him. Now, remember, if you're looking in Street View, the faces of people is blurred out. It's part of their algorithm to just be respectful of people's privacy, I guess. But they could just tell from his body shape that it was him. And and they caught him. And they plan on like, – so Spanish authorities caught him and they're going to extradite him back to Italy. So – yeah, yeah. Uh, could you imagine? <laughs> wild, wild. You know what just happened, actually, Elliot? Uh, there was someone with a YouTube channel. It was a cooking channel. It was some mobster. I, I, and I forget if he was Italian or, or maybe like a Mexican cartel guy. But he was on the run and he created this YouTube cooking channel and ended up getting very successful. And they traced him through that and finally arrested him <laughs> as a result. And so that was pretty incredible. I, I, I wish I remembered. Are you looking it up? I'm trying to find it. Yeah. Yeah. So just type. Like, yeah, here th- it is. The Colombian hitman who became a YouTube star. <laughs> it's, yeah. pr- it's pretty <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. I mean, if you're running from the from an entire country's officials and you're on the run, especially for something like murder to, to, to go oh, on and that's start a not YouTube the only channel. One. No? Apparently this has happened more than once. Interesting. Interesting. So this article, this headline is mafia fugitive caught after posting cooking show on YouTube. And this is an Italian guy. Yeah. That's wow. the one I think I was, I was talking about. So I, I'm not a criminal, uh, but I would, I think if I, I were, <laughs> to be a criminal, I probably wouldn't commit the crime and then go on the run and then also create a social media platform with thousands or millions of followers. It does not yeah. seem the best way to stay undercover. Yeah, but I agree with you. I'm also not a criminal, so maybe they know something I don't. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. All right. These last two are both related to airlines. The first one being that the Aviation Museum is being renamed to honor Captain Sully and U.S. Airways Flight 1549 awesome. and the crew. Yeah. So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I can't believe it's been 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is crazy. pretty incredible. So I actually did not know that he crashed into a flock of geese. Yeah. 
Well, I didn't see the movie. I should watch the movie. I actually haven't either. Yeah, no, no. I, I, and I'm a big Tom Hanks fan too. I, I definitely should watch that. Yeah, that's awesome. So the Smithsonian affiliated Carolina's Aviation Museum in Charlotte will reopen in 2023 under its new name. So pretty, pretty awesome. I think it is a great uh, tribute to him and what he yeah. did and saving those people that obviously plane crashes don't typically that was, end that way. So yeah. that was January 15th, 2009. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, no, yeah. What's this last article? And where so did we get this one? This one yeah. is very cool. We threw this one at the last minute. Thank you, Claudia. You had sent us this via Instagram messenger. Um, we saw it. This is exactly up my alley. So thank you for sending it. I had not seen it, but this is the stuff I love. And it is battery breakthrough achieves energy density necessary for electric planes. And I've mm -hmm. talked about this on different things, but this is the first time it's actually been realized to the true potential energy storage. So there's something in here about, um, what the the goal is and i think it's 500 watt hour per kilogram and that's what's needed to achieve or that's a benchmark for achieving long haul and high capacity flights and this new technology is called lithium air batteries so it mixes oxygen with lithium present in the anode um, and then that creates a higher density battery but there are some safety issues with that but this this test basically overcame those safety issues and they were able to achieve close to uh, 3,460 watt hour per kilogram. So seven times as dense. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Major step forward. Nice. So the, the big thing with this, as we've always talked about with energy or electric aviation, is the cost savings, environmental impact reduction, and then the noise, right? Jet engines are extremely loud because they've got a high RPM, they're combustion, whereas electric planes will have a much quieter and lower decibel output. So there's going to be less issues with flying near residential areas. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Pretty cool. So thank yeah. you. Thank you again, Claudia. That was an awesome article. That is right up your alley. Oh, it is. I saw that and I got so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so up this month, we have awesome guests as usual. So first up is a travel around table discussion where we break down budget travel, how to budget for your travel, what the major ticket items are and all that good stuff and, and kind of give you insight and a route to take when you're planning paying for travel. Um, then we have Tom Turich. This guy walked around the world like literally walked down his driveway and kept going <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was a phenomenal it was conversation very, it was very uh forrest gump yeah <laughs> at least that's, that's that's what made me think <laughs> yeah and then and then lastly this month we have matt mitzel he's been on the podcast i think twice now this might have been his third time and yep. he took first a solo time yeah, and he took a solo trip um, to Azerbaijan and Algeria, sort of on a whim. Didn't really know much about Algeria. The, oh no, not not Algeria. It was Azerbaijan and uh, Azerbaijan, uh, and, Georgia, yeah, Georgia, and and Armenia. Armenia, not Algeria. Correct. Yeah, yes. all those those A countries. Yes. Yeah, Algeria is in Africa. 
Correct. Yes. Um, so it, it was a great conversation. Like we learned a ton. We were actually surprised by what we learned about those two cultures, his experience there. Uh, no one, I, I don't want to say no, but like, it's very rare that people go to Azerbaijan for vacation. So getting insight yeah. on that was, was really awesome. And we had a great time with him. So um, yeah, very thank you. cool conversation. Yeah. 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 And he's a great conversationist too. Yeah. So anyway, Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you want to help support us in a financial way, now it was the, it was the non-financial way in the intro. <laughs> if you want to support us in a financial way, there's a link. If you just just, just go to our Instagram, um, you could buy us a cup of coffee or a beer uh, and, and contribute to our time and efforts and energy into creating this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Even considering doing that would be, would be awesome. Um, we're starting to grow. We're starting to notice more people reaching out to us, talk to us. We're seeing growth in our numbers. Um, and it's been, it's been fantastic. It's really actually motivating us to do better for you. So thank you for really liking the show. We appreciate it. We notice it. And, uh, and, and I guess I just can't say thank you enough. So tune in next week.